And Turnpike Brothers are back. Back on the attack. Yeah, episode 13. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I uh, actually forgot what number it was. <laughs> I'm here for it. There I <laughs> Keeping track. Number 13, but really number like 35. So Yeah, I think we have 20 podcasts actually all together if you count all the spinoffs and, you know. Wow. Yeah. Look at, look at you. Pretty You're like a, like a Turnpike Brothers Wikipedia. I am, yeah. <laughs> You're our record keeper. That's what I do. So that's all I do. I, I don't work or anything. I stay at home and keep track of our all of our stuff. So that's that's awesome. We definitely we do need that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to take care of. You know, seven fans. It's like crazy. I got to make sure that, that all the information's up to date for them. Oh yeah. We need to get our Wikipedia page going. That's what we need. Yeah, man. We can let people like put all kinds of crazy stuff about us on there. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> my brother tried like what one time he like made his own wikipedia and he did he put all this crazy stuff like that he like climbed mount everest and did like all this stuff and and uh they took it down oh so they do check a little bit <laughs> <laughs> he went too far i wonder what point they were like that's just too much <laughs> <laughs> when he said he like created twitter or something i don't know <laughs> So I had some Taco Bell for dinner, so I am in a good mood. Gassy mood. Yeah. <laughs> AKA happy. <laughs> if it makes you gassy, it makes you happy. That's true love. That's my saying. I just made up right now. <laughs> so before we get into these uh totally not depressing albums that we talk about, <laughs> they're 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 both very upbeat, happy albums. Yeah. Um, you got any any little quick hits? So before actually before we do that, you did release a Dan's Den this past week. Yeah, Barbenheimer. Talk about Barbenheimer. Not, talk about not depressing. <laughs> <laughs> not the review so much, but the uh, the movies are uh, you know they're not as upbeat as you'd think. Uh, but yeah, yeah, check it out. Some good stuff. We got Steph on there. My lovely wife Elena is on there. <laughs> So, yeah, good stuff. What a good time. Yeah, yeah. So anybody, who, if you haven't listened to the Barbenheimer review, and they don't give spoilers, they do a good job of, I think, I haven't seen either movie yet. Though by the time this releases, I should have seen Oppenheimer. Yeah, uh, man. Good stuff. So you, don't, you, you guys do a good job of not really giving away anything in the movies. I mean, Oppenheimer is historical, so there's not really much to give away. But Yeah, even that, we don't really talk about any spoilers and Barbie. Mild spoilers, if that. I mean... I don't know. Most of the stuff you see on the trailers, we pretty much try to touch on and not spoil it. Just our reactions, really. Just a reaction video. Right, exactly. Yeah. So any quick hits that you want to talk about? Anything you're watching that you want to mention before we get to well, the album? Well, I watched... Uh, I'm going to talk about a trailer that I watched, and I know you watched it too. The Exorcist Believer trailer. So um, my opinions on it so far. I think it looks pretty cool. Um, I know the Exorcist movies really haven't been that great. This one looks like it takes place after the first Exorcist movies. Not immediately after, but in that timeline. Kind of like what they did with Halloween. It's going to pretty much make all account. So it'll be like this one, like the first one, and then this one. Yeah, so, that's a good thing. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, they're going to try to, like, retcon all those original ones, which is, like, the trend, I guess, now. Um, but it looks pretty cool. They got two, looks like two possessed kids in this one. Looks pretty freaky. The beginning of the trailer was kind of boring, but the end of it was like, oh, man, this has got me hooked. I'm I'm, I'm excited for it. So hopefully it does not disappoint. But yeah, the, uh, it could be good. the Turk scene was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that and like when they're showing them possessed, and they do like a little black and white thing, and they got the, the of course the awesome music in it. And I always forget that um, the mom plays uh, Elliot Stabler, mom on Lawnmower SVU. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I always forget that. Like she showed up in the trailer, and I'm like, oh, it's Elliot's mom. <laughs> and then, and then Melissa's like, yeah, that 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 you know that's that's Reagan's mom, and I'm like, oh, I always forget that that was the same actress. No, that's cool. I don't know how yeah. uh, is she in that uh, show a lot or not SVU, but I'm, I'm sorry. Then, well, he she was she did show up in SVU sometimes, but he got his own show. That's right. Yeah, Stabler, and uh, she's in that like all the time. She's almost in like every single episode. But oh wow, okay, yeah, because he's I think she has like kind of like Alzheimer's, so he's like taking care of of her, um, and then she lives in his apartment. So she, you see her like all the time. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I like her. I liked her in The Exorcist. I, I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, but Lauren Order is the only other thing I've ever seen her in. But yeah, she she's good in. I mean, she was great as the mom, and she's good in Lauren Order. So yeah, it's cool. And then when the Blair's supposed to be back in this one too? I was seeing that on. Uh, I think IMDb said she's going to be back in some fashion, but they they didn't said if it's a brief cameo or what it is. But right, yeah, hopefully yeah. it's just not that picture they showed in the trailer. That would have been really dumb. I know that would stink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not really doing much else. Besides, like charity work, so yeah, who needs to do that? I know. Seriously, go go make some movies that will scare the pants off people. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> Anything else you? Uh... I I watched two uh, pretty terrible horror movies, so I know I know you're all about that. Yeah, um, I watched this one. I'll go over very briefly. It's called The Sand. Okay, so this one's about. Um, have you ever seen the movie Tremors? Where like you know there's yep. things underground that grab people. So there's all these kids. They're like partying spring break, and they all they're all drinking. They pass out, and then they wake up, and some of them are like on cars or like in different parts of the beach, and something happens. It's like all their friends they get eat swallowed up by this thing in the sand. They really never go over exactly what it is, but if you touch the sand, this thing like latches onto you and like kills you instantly. So these kids are all trapped on like different like you know like a surfboard and stuff like that and this one guy's like like they were like i guess they he was all drunk and they like threw him in a trash can he was like kind of like stuck in this trash can like <laughs> standing up fell asleep so it was pretty funny as far as that goes but uh the only person in this is like uh jamie kennedy he's like the only like person that's like recognizable and wow. in it for like two seconds but the movie is like really bad but it's hilarious at the same time <laughs> it's on it's on tubi and then I watched Tales of Halloween, which is a hardcore knockoff of uh, Trick or Treat. It's an anthology horror movie that takes place during Halloween and all the stories interlock. And it's it couldn't be more of a knockoff of that movie. They even say, I think, on the like the movie cover of it, like, oh, you know, the best anthology movie since Trick or Treat is literally like the same <laughs> movie. Like they even try hiding that they're knocking it off. It was bad, though. Not good as Trick or Treat was good. This one wasn't. I guess you could say, then you could say Trick or Treat was, well, Trick or Treat was awesome, yeah. But you could say yeah. Trick or Treat was kind of like a knockoff of what, Seasons of the Witch or whatever, right? Kind yeah, of. I mean, the, 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 anth the anthology horrors are all kind of, you know, I mean, Seasons of the Witch is, is, is just, is just really, um, like, at least Trick or Treat, it's like a bunch, you know, and 
they just do a better job at it. the stories are actually interesting like this movie i just watched is like this there's like maybe one or two like all right stories the rest of it's bad there's like one with ufos in it it's really bad yeah yeah, yeah it's it could have been cool but they could is there anybody in it there probably is a couple i'm like i can't really remember now no one no one that really stood out to me now nah. there's is like it? there's like a lot of that guys in it you know but oh yeah <laughs> no one that you know no one that would want to be tied to this i don't think when the cat at the end of the credits the cast just says that guy for everybody yeah that guy yeah, <laughs> everybody. You, you look at you. It's a bunch of that guys. Yeah, I, I remember that guy. He's from this or from that. Is this another two B special? Yes. Yep. Both of those are on Tubi. Yep. <laughs> you, you need to stop watching horror movies on Tubi. <laughs> Tubi has a lot of good movies, but then they have all these like questionable ones, and uh, I don't know. I, that that uh, the, the both of those called out to me. I knew going to the sand one, it was going to be bad. So I I kind of wanted a funny horror movie and i like ones where there's like people are like stuck in like weird situations and they got to get out of it like i like movies like that um they should make that a genre of movies but uh there's a movie (laughs) called the cube and it's like that there's like all these strangers are like in this like Mm -hmm. giant Mm -hmm. box and they don't know how they got in there to figure out how to get out of it i like movies like that um like like saw yeah yeah like that's why i like saw so much which yeah trailer for that looks awesome too by the way talking about trailers no, I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't know there was a new one coming out. Yeah, it takes place between Saw 1 and Saw 2. So. Interesting. Yeah, so you got Tony, whatever his name is. Oh, I forget his name. Tobin Bell. Tobin Bell, yeah. Close. <laughs> Tony Stark. <laughs> Tony Stark's back in it. There's Iron Man, yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. It's crossover, Marvel and Saw. That's pretty yeah, cool. they, they bought it, so now they, they own it. And Mickey yeah. Mouse is in it and everything. <laughs> it makes sense. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there'll be another bomb in the box office. No, just <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm watching, or we what we finished watching. It's it, it came out a little while ago. I think it came out in the spring, but we finished watching the second season of Perry Mason. And the reason why I bring that up is because, first of all, it was awesome. Now you, that's you didn't watch that one, correct? I only know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'd look into it. Perry Mason was this old show from the 60s with uh, actor Raymond Burr, and he was a lawyer that won like every single case. He, uh, he won every case at the end of the episode. Um, he's a defense lawyer, so he always got the acquittal every single time, right at the end of the episode. They're also based off novels. So HBO, before the pandemic, so it was a long time ago, did the first season, and it, what it is is it takes place in like 1930s Los Angeles. And they HBO'd it up a little bit, and it's a lot darker than what the original show was. He doesn't even start off as a lawyer. He's like a private investigator. So it kind of shows, it builds up to, to and you know you know he's going to become a lawyer at some point, because it's based off the character who, that's what he was. But it's very dark, very noir, you know, Chinatown feel to it, because it's in LA and everything. Um, it's got great, like the cool, like, noir gangster music, and it's just a really cool, dark feel. You know, if you, you, you play the game L.A. Noir. It feels like you're like, you know, watching it, watching like L.A. Noir. It's really cool. They did a really great job. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, first season was awesome. Great. Um, and then unfortunately, COVID hit and stopped like everything for a while. So I think this it was about three years between them. But then the second season just came out, I think, like I said, this past spring. And might even be better than the first season. Just awesome. Absolutely great. You know, he's a full-blown lawyer now. And the whole the whole series is one case. The whole season 
I mean, is one case. Um, and it's like a crazy case that he takes. And it's just awesome. Really cool. The reason I bring it up on the podcast, though, really, is because I'm extremely angry. Kevin do angry. Yeah. HBO did not renew it for the third season and canceled it. Even though, critically, it got great reviews. And it's two great, awesome seasons and great acting and uh, great characters. The guy who plays Perry Mason is awesome. Um, it's actually produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his, I think, his wife, I guess. But, you know, they didn't really give a reason why they renew it. I guess ratings. Um, I guess, like, because the first season did really well. Like, the first episode had, like, 8 million viewers, and, like, the first season did really well. So I guess that COVID of, like, three or four years in between, I guess they just lost a lot of the crowd or something. I don't know. Maybe a lot of people didn't know it came out. So I guess ratings weren't great. That's the only reason I can think of. But, unfortunately, they, they canceled it. So, um, you know, it's one of those shows... Another one of my favorites, like Hannibal back in the day, which was also an awesome show. Um, really good. They kind of, you know, they end where it could be the ending, but it's not really like satisfied, unfortunately. Yeah, that sucks when it happens. It, it happens to a lot of good shows. Like 24, they did that as well. Like it came back and they kind of, they ended it sort of, and right. then they brought it back for like a, like a makeshift, like, I don't know, it was like some so many years later, maybe like six years later, they came at, back with another one, like Live Another Day, I think it was called. And it was great. I think it got great reviews. Everyone was watching it, and they didn't do a follow-up show to it for whatever reason. And, and it same deal kind of ended in a way that were like, well, it could end there, but, you know, it, you know, there could be a lot more, too. So I don't know what, you know, why they didn't continue doing the, any more of those. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that that you mentioned it. Now I have to hope somebody picks it up, like I don't know Netflix or something, because the actors say they still want to do it. Yeah, uh, but it's not going to have the HBO quality. So yeah, and you got the it, strike right now too. So it's like right, exactly. That's not going to help. That's not going to help situations at all. So no, no. So now that I'm all depressed because of a show I really, really, really liked, which is a reason why I don't get into shows, because I then this this kind of crap happens. Um, you have to get into them when they're done, and then you uh, watch them. <laughs> that's what I was saying to Melissa. I was like, man, I guess uh, I guess you don't watch these shows until they're done 10 yeah. years later, because uh, you get involved, and then they just cancel. Yep. And you never get a real ending. So now that I'm all depressed, it's a perfect segue into jumping into these albums. Yeah. Yeah. Backspacer isn't a depressing album, though, according to uh, Eddie Vedder. So, right, right, right. Don't steal my th- <laughs> don't steal my thunder, man. Don't steal my thunder. Okay, so I'll go first. So you gave me the album Backspacer by Pearl Jam, right? Obviously, you just mentioned Eddie Vedder. I'm not going to go too much history into Pearl Jam. I mean, they're they're one of the biggest rock bands. Um, all I'll say is. Obviously, the singer is Eddie Vedder. You have the two guitarists, uh, Mike McCready and Stone Gossard. You have the bassist, Jeff Ament. And then uh, the drummer now, and he's been the drummer for years, is Matt Cameron, no relation to James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Fake news by Dan on our last podcast. You know what? I heard on a podcast I was listening to that he is related to him, actually. And uh, yeah, that he also he also directed the music video, The Fixer. So. I, I heard Which I'm, I'm going to get to it and give the real actual thing behind that. <laughs> uh, so we'll blame this other podcast for giving you fake news. <laughs> yeah, James Cameron from Canada. 
Uh, Matt Cameron, not from Canada. Pretty sure he's from either California or Seattle since he was part of Soundgarden originally. So, uh, so Pearl Jam came out with their debut album, 10, which is one of the best rock albums ever, honestly. Um, came out in 1991. Obviously, they were part of the Seattle move movement. Um the grunge movement that came out of Seattle started in kind of the mid eighties with Soundgarden, and then obviously exploded with Nirvana and all that. Uh, Eddie Vedder's the only singer left from the big bands of the grunge. Pretty much, he's the only one still going. All the other bands have lost their singer to uh, not great ways. <laughs> pretty much all of them, but Pearl Jam's still going on, full band. Uh, Matt Cameron came in later. He did. He was with Soundgarden. He came in later, but he's been with the band for like so long now. Yeah, he would go uh, back and forth between them a lot too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he was on like the Temple of the Dog, which was yeah, some of Soundgarden and some of Pearl Jam before Pearl Jam even like existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been in the band long enough. He, you know, it's pretty much I'm going to say almost an original member. Um, so that's cool that they're still all going full strong. But in terms of Backspacer, it's the ninth studio album. By Pearl Jam, at the time, uh, I don't know how many they're up to now. Probably like maybe like eleven, twelve, maybe. Yeah. So. Um, but this is the ninth one, released September twentieth, two thousand nine. It was the album that became Pearl Jam's first chart topper in the Billboard two hundred since nineteen ninety six's No Code. Now, how did you feel about No Code as a Pearl Jam fan? Because I, I'm not, I'll preface this one, I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan after pretty much like Versus. So, how is No Code in your opinion? Uh, no Code's all right. It's not, not one of my favorite Pearl Jam albums. It does have some really good songs on it, though. Um, there's actually a song on the, on the um, Backspacer that reminds me a lot of a song from No Code, which, you know, if you go over it, I'll, uh, I'll say that's the song. But uh, the song that I'm I'm talking about, uh, Eddie Vedder doesn't even sing on it. Actually, it's it's someone else in the band. I forget who sings it, but that's like one of my favorite songs on that album. Which is funny because wow. Eddie Vedder doesn't even sing it. <laughs> I just yeah. like the way it is, and it's such a, a unique sound, especially not for a uh, a Pearl Jam song. So I got to remember. I can't remember the name of the song now, but it's it's a good song on there. You have to listen to the whole thing to find out which one it is now. <laughs> I didn't even know uh, Eddie Vedder passed off the bike uh, any songs. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think he does it often, but he he did on that one track. So, so that was the last album that made the Billboard 200 for them until they came out with Backspacer, which kind of makes sense because it is more of a, a poppy rock album, um, which I'll get into a little bit. Um, so, so um, not to cut you off, but um, Yield wasn't after. Uh, no code or no no code was yield was after no code but it wow. did not make the billboard 200 that's crazy there's so yeah. many there's there's so many songs on that album that were like they overplayed everywhere i can't believe that none of those songs hit the billboards that's crazy well i guess chart topper in other words it went number one actually yeah. back spacer so i guess yield did not go number one ever uh, okay it yeah. made the top it made the 200 just didn't go number one probably came out when like some like amazing other band had their stuff out who knows 1998 i I don't know it was probably some pop crap in 1998 like (laughs) like pretty spears or in sync or something so yeah um, yeah i don't know yeah um 
So it was, it was recorded from February through April 2009, so only a few months. And it was with producer Brendan O'Brien. So he's worked on every Pearl Jam album, except for 10. It's the only one he didn't work on. But he worked on every single one uh, up until this point. Um, but and, and he didn't work on their self-titled record, the uh, Avocado one, right? Um, mm. But he worked on every other album they ever did. But he was only the producer on Yield, actually. And on this album, Backspacer. So he must have been like an engineer or something else on a lot of those other albums. But he was producer on this one and Yield. Hmm. So this is a quote in terms of working with Brendan O'Brien from Eddie Vedder. So Eddie Vedder says, at this point, I think we're willing to let somebody cut the songs up a little bit. In the past, Brendan would say, it's a great song, but I think you should do it in a different key. And we'd say no. But now that we've heard Bruce... Uh, Springsteen, that is the boss, has listened to his suggestions. I think we will too. <laughs> so on this album, they decided to give this Brendan O'Brien, the producer, a little more say into what they should be doing because he worked with Bruce Springsteen. So, so that was kind of <laughs> funny. Got listen to the boss, man. Yeah, I, 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 I guess so. <laughs> For anybody who knows me, they know I am uh, not a Bruce Springsteen fan, but that's okay. But I guess he was right listening on this album to uh the, the producer so the album it's the shortest of the band's career you know it, it only clocks in at like 30 like 34 35 minutes which is interesting yeah because Pearl Jam usually did a lot longer albums supposedly <laughs> it features lyrics with a more optimistic look <laughs> but that is compared to the which you mentioned on the last podcast uh it's compared to the politically infused predecessors riot act and Pearl Jam the self-titled with the avocado so those two albums were very political, which you didn't yep. mention. Yeah, um, I saw the Ride Act tour. It was very political, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so they went lighter on this album, and I'm doing quotes, lighter on this album based on the lyrics, and, had a, and Eddie Vedder had a more optimistic look. And the reason he, he says that he went this direction and has a more optimistic look was because it was the, uh, the election of uh, Barack Obama. And that made him all giddy and happy, and he was all ecstatic, so... Went full 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 one eighty and went from uh, political to happy go lucky guy supposedly. <laughs> uh, Mike McCready says about the album, uh, I'd sum it up as kind of a tight, concise rock and roll record with kind of pop or maybe new wave elements to it, which I would agree with him. It's a really quick record, but I liked that element to it. I liked the sparseness of the songs and the way that that Brendan pulled us together and made us play as good as we could. Uh, so I, I agree it is more of a poppy new wave baby, but definitely more poppiness to it. Now the music video for The Fixer, which was the big single on the album, was not directed by James Cameron. <laughs> but, but, it was <laughs> <laughs> but it was directed by Russell Crowe. No, I'm oh wait, wait, no, I'm just kidding. That's Cameron Crowe. Cameron yeah. Crowe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Cameron Crowe. Um he worked for like Rolling Stone magazine, and he's famous. His he, his his call to fame is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was his directorial debut. Uh, he directed Jerry Maguire, and and then also like his semi autobiographical movie, which is about him when he worked at Rolling Stone. Almost famous. Mm-hmm. So those are his three big movies. I could see why you thought James Cameron, because <laughs> this is Cameron Crowe. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and did, and he he directed other music videos too, right? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. I think he might have done. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say more. I'm gonna say other wrong things, but I think he did like heart shaped bo- box and maybe like some <laughs> other like Nirvana s- stuff. I think. <laughs> we got fake news again. <laughs> I'm probably wrong again, so we'll just move past that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're probably right. I mean, he was obviously a music guy. He like I say, he worked for Rolling Stone magazine and all that. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think he did a lot of other music videos as well, and I. I want to think there were some Nirvana ones in there, and when I, I looked it up because I was I had to, I had to check my my sources, and I was wrong last time. So and that was a long time ago. We did that podcast, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Backspacer it pretty much received generally good reviews from music critics. Um, it's the band's it's the band's best reviewed studio album of the two thousands. According to Metacritic, uh, on Metacritic, Metacritic, not Meta, Meta. I don't even cricket. I don't even know what I said. Um, it's got a score of seventy nine out of a hundred, uh, which is based on twenty four critics' reviews. Um, so that's about basically an eight out of ten, essentially, from critics. Out of a hundred, Jesus! I know. Well, they always do. I don't know why Metacritic does whatever out of a hundred um, instead of just out of ten. But that's so dumb. 79 out of 100, essentially just 7.9 out of 10, or 8 out of 10. Um, uh, the weird, I thought this was weird. The version on Spotify that I listened to of the album, for some reason, has a better man as a, a, a live version as the last song on the album. Just to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I, two big Pearl Jam songs that I was never really a big fan of were Better Man and Daughter. Not wow. a huge fan of either one of those songs. They're right. like, those are like some of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. <laughs> Sorry. So, but I have to admit this live version, and I, I listen to it every time I listen to the album, I let it play. Um, yeah. Very good. I actually like the live version. I thought it's much better than the studio recording. On this they're, all, they're awesome live. Like when I saw them, they were, they were so good. So yeah, I, I listened to this too. And I thought, thought they tacked that on, which isn't on the CD. It's on the Spotify deluxe edition or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. I don't know why they chose that song live, but whatever. They, maybe they toured with it, and they, they that was like on that tour or whatever they used. Could it, be. I imagine they played that song it's on a, that tour. So it's a great version of the song. As a as a person who wasn't really a huge fan of the studio version, uh, I actually like the live one a lot. It's pretty good. Um, so that was interesting, uh, and, and unfortunately, I've never gotten a chance to see them live. But hopefully, that, maybe that changes. But their tickets are really expensive. Um, <laughs> Even though they tried to fight Ticketmaster back in the '90s, and they ultimately lost, and they're just like every ba- other band where their tickets are really expensive right now. But yeah. um, to me, it's a very 2000s sounding song. Very, very, very 2000s. Sounds exactly like 2000s rock, with a little bit of like early Pearl Jam, Pearl Jamness in there. Um, but it's very 2000s, and I know why you like this album so much. Obviously, you're a Pearl Jam fan, but I know why you like this album. Because to me, as not a huge fan, it sounds very, 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 very much like a Foo Fighters album. Very Foo Fighters-ish, in my opinion. Really? Okay. I think so. Well, I think I, so. I, when you were saying you you thought it sounded poppy, I really didn't think that at all. If anything, I thought it sounded really heavy on rock, which is Foo Fighters, you know. So I'm like, I get the more of the comparison to the Foo Fighters than I would for saying it's a, a poppy sound. Because I'm like, eh. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't hear that at all, really. 
Like I, I, I would disagree with the pop part of it, unless it's like rock pop or whatever the hell you want to call that's it. What but... <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that's what Mike McCready said, and I, I think that's what he mean. I think that's what they mean, and that's that's kind of what I mean. Like, I would consider Foo Fighters like pop rock. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, it's I, not I like yeah, it's not like uh, super deep, like progressive music or anything like that. It's it's just good old fashioned like rock and roll. Um. Yeah. Which is pretty much pop rock. I mean, like the Beatles are pop rock, and, and like yeah. the Rolling Stones are pop rock. Like it, it's not a bad thing. It's not yeah. a bad kind yeah, of. I, I just figured pop rock would be more like it's got it's got a hook beat. It's got like a catchy sound to it, and it's like eh, maybe the fixer. But I want to go into the songs because so you know you're going. To <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it did have a catchy beat. A lot of the songs I did. Okay, um, okay. But I, I listening to this, I think it is very Foo Fighters. Um, that, yeah. especially the song supersonic, which I thought was very, very reminiscent of monkey wrench, very similar to monkey wrench. I thought, okay. Listening to it. Um, when it first came on my headphones, the first time I listened to the album, I actually literally thought it was monkey wrench. The beginning <laughs> of the song really sounds like it. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it's very, you know, very fast, very fast lyrics and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, monkey wrench. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So my first experience with this album, which I didn't realize, and it's funny is and I sent it to you is yeah the song Just Breathe, which is on the album, uh I first heard it as a Willie Nelson song. Like I saw this thing on YouTube of Willie Nelson like covering it. And I know and it said Pearl Jam, but I didn't really know what album the song was from or where I never heard it before. Um so my first experience was hearing Willie Nelson sing it, which was interesting. So then I'm listening to the album and, and the song comes on and I'm like, man, this sounds familiar. I, I've heard this before this like this like acoustic guitar kind of like I've heard this before, and then I was like, "Oh wait, it's that song Willie Nelson does." <laughs> is he singing that with his son? By the way, yes, that is his okay. son. Who sounds just like him? It's crazy. Yeah, and he kind of looks like him. Yeah, Lucas yeah. Nelson, I think it is. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good version. Um, yeah, not yeah. You know, now hearing the Pearl Jam version, probably not as good. But I mean, Willie was never known for his voice. Let's be honest. Yeah. But. Um, it's a solid cover, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 a solid cover. Um, okay, so about some of the songs, and then we'll get into the good stuff. What I thought of, what I thought about it, what, you're, what everyone's waiting for. <laughs> so, gonna see my friend um, Eddie Vedder actually called that a drug song, but what he he really meant is it's a song about going to see a friend to stay off drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then he stated also got some is also about drugs. It's about a drug dealer. Um, but he said that the drug dealer is selling actually a great rock song. Huh. Which is interesting. So he's not selling yeah. drugs. He's, he's selling like an addicting great rock song. <laughs> uh, so very lighthearted, right? Just remember that. Very lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> this is optimistic any better. So, <laughs> so uh, Johnny Guitar Vetter said he was kind of going for an Elvis Costello homage there, mm-hmm. uh, which once I read that, I listened to the song, then I could hear that. I could hear kind of like Elvis Costello uh, inspiration, which was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I like that um, a lot. It's a good one. It, 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 it's a good song. Um, and the lyrics were inspired by a collage of album covers pasted on the bathroom wall of the band's rehearsal space. Huh. In a Beatle inspiration, like... Uh... The benefit of Mr. Kite when they right. they looked at the poster. <laughs> Pretty much, exactly, yeah. And if yeah. you listen to the lyrics, it, it makes sense because he kind of jumps all around like different things. Yeah. Uh, so the 
aforementioned Just Breathe song. Uh, Eddie Vedder described it as a close to a love song as we've ever gotten. <laughs> because they're not known for that, that's for sure, yeah. Pearl Jam. Um, and he said that the subject of the song is the happiest times of people's lives when they should just take in the moment and breathe for a minute. Hmm. I thought it was about death, so I, I guess in a way it is, but... Well, it, it, it kind of is. It's, it's Yeah, because yeah, he said some people have loved, some people haven't loved anybody. Yeah. I think he's the point is like, you know, breathe and live in the moment. Don't think about the past. Don't think about the future. And yeah. try to no, it makes see, sense. See who you love around you and all that stuff. Yeah. Now it's now it doesn't sound as depressing as I, I had it in mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went from drug dealers to like optimistic love. So he's getting there. He's getting there. He's working through it. He's working there. Uh he also said that un unthought known. I always have trouble saying that. I always want to say unknown thought, which I it was obviously the the, the, the point, but <laughs> unthought known uh concerns the human psyche. Oh wow. Yep, so it's all about the uh, our mental well-being and all that. Uh, Super and Supersonic is about the love for music. That's what that song is about. It's all about the love for music. Okay. And according to Vetter, speed of sound is also taken from the, the perspective of a man still sitting in a bar after everyone else has left. But he added that, that even though the song is sad, it became more <laughs> sad, even though it's an optimistic album. Uh, it became more confident when played with the whole band. Um, so I guess when the whole band got together and, and from his original interpretation of it, they kind of brought, I guess, a more optimistic sound to it and a more lighthearted musical sound to it, which it, it is when you listen to it. Yeah. Uh, he also said force of nature is a, about the strength of one person in the relationship when they can withstand some of the faults in another. Uh, so basically marriage. <laughs> um <laughs> I have a lot of faults that Melissa gets through. Um, <laughs> good save. And there. then the end. <laughs> what did you say? I said good save there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the end, not the Doris song and not a Doris cover, uh, but the end he described as an aching love song. So another love song from Pearl Jam. Wow. But that's a couple of meeting of most of the songs. Um, kind of described pretty much from the source, Eddie Vedder. So, yeah, cool. He quoted each, like a lot of those things. I, I think I was reading the same thing you were reading. And um, yeah, because a lot of these artists, they won't, they won't quote on their songs or whatever. And I guess he was doing some publicity thing and he was talking about each song. So it's cool to see that they, he actually rattled off with both. Most of them was about, so that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I know. And he's kind of sometimes been known to write songs that really don't mean anything like, Yellow, yeah. yellow lead better, which is like literally just like words he put together. Yeah, um, and if you listen to him like sing alive, sometimes I don't even think he knows what words he's supposed to say. <laughs> Pretty funny, but it's a great song. But um, okay, so I was gonna do obviously I have my favorite song, I have my least favorite song, and then I was gonna do the songs that weren't my favorite, but I, that I really liked. Okay. So as I was listening to it, I had my favorite song and I had my least favorite, but I really couldn't do an other top songs list because I realized I kind of started liking pretty much all the songs. So <laughs> um, my other top songs pretty much just ended up being like everything in the middle between my, the favorite and my least favorite. Uh, so there's no point in going over it because I um, pretty much just liked every one. <laughs> um, 
the only one I would like to talk about is the the end, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. But I thought that was I I I got very very Paul McCartney out of that song. I could see McCartney like writing a song like that and performing that song. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely like seventies McCartney, like with mm-hmm. the acoustic guitar, or like late sixties yeah. McCartney or something like that. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, my favorite song on the album is "Just Breathe." Actually, it's my favorite song on the album. Mm. Uh, it, it's very. I, I know why he covered it because it is a very Willie Nelson song. Like, you, you could, you Willie Nelson could write that song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see why he covered it. It's it's right up his alley. Obviously, he must have heard it and been like, "This is great." Probably somebody brought it to him. Maybe his son or something. Yeah. Um, I, I think him and Eddie Vedder actually might be buddies too. Um, so uh, that's my favorite song. Great, just an awesome, real great, great job. I know Pearl Jam says they don't do a lot of love songs, but. You know, they they really nailed this love song, um, and uh, and a deep message, and 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 great singing by Eddie Vedder on it. Um, which is another thing I wanted to mention. I thought vocally he was a lot different than he normally is on this album. Yep. Which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I actually even got like some Chris Cornell, like him trying to like almost kind of sing like Cornell a little bit sometimes. Um, maybe not intentionally, but yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have like as high a voice as Cornell or anything like that. But he definitely approached vocals differently, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, they had pretty much had a turn. I would say between, I think there was it was Yield, then there was the Avocado one, then this album, and like he transitions like pretty much into that. And like like I said, I was kind of in, in, on the fence between giving you um, the self titled album and this album because they're actually very similar. It's like when the Beatles did those two albums, they're like, oh, you could put them together you probably could put that self-titled album and this album together and it'd be like perfect, especially because this album's so short too. Yeah. Um, Cause they're both a lot of the same kind of things going on in it. I guess ride act is in between there somewhere. Um, I'm not too sure of the order they came out in, but that album is, is very much like this album. So God, check that one out too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was very political. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> not ride act, the, the, well, I guess the avocado one is too, but I don't know. You can look around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the uh, meetings. <laughs> but yeah, just breathe. I, I thought it was a great song. Um, very, very, very good song. Um, my least favorite song. So I actually came out with two. I have two least favorite songs on this album. I'm not saying they're bad. Just on no, the album, they were probably my two least favorite. Yeah, it is gonna see my friend, which is the first song on the album. Not a huge fan of that one. Um, Compared to the rest of the album, I don't think it holds up. You know, I think it's an all right song, but I think you hear the songs come afterwards and um, you kind of forget about that one a little bit, in my opinion. Um, And then Supersonic, I'm actually not a huge fan of. um, Because, kind of like I said before, it reminded me of Monkey Wrench. I thought it was a little too like Monkey Wrench. Um, I wasn't a big big fan of that one, honestly. But uh, I liked every other song on the album. So my rating, um, you're not going to be happy with this, unfortunately. Because <laughs> you're going to be very happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of agree with Metacritic. With the, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, ah, nice. Because of 10, the album <laughs> is a 10 out of 10, <laughs> which it is. Yeah. I can't compare this. I can't give this a 10. Um, it's not as good as, as that album. But yeah. uh, uh, I give it an 8. 
I like that it's a short album because sometimes you just don't want to li- listen to one hour opuses. You don't want to listen to these albums like not, not, not to take a dig here, but the last Metallica album is an hour and 20 minutes. That's a lot of time to invest in sitting down and listening to music. Um, yeah. So I like that this goes by very quickly because they're good songs and you start it and then it ends and you're kind of like, Oh, it's over already. Oh, okay. That, that was great. I, I kind of like that. Um, I didn't have to dedicate all this time to it and really concentrate. So I really like that. Uh, and the last thing I would say is, um, I would never have listened to this album ever. I would never would have, I will admit, I would never have listened to this album if you didn't give it to me. Um, so thanks for that. Cause I found an album that I, I did like, um, after verses. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of like the point of why we do this so that maybe we can give each other albums that we wouldn't normally listen to. And hopefully for our listeners, it gives them a chance to listen to albums that they maybe would never have thought about. Um, you know, maybe they like what we say about the album or they, they're curious of kind of what we're talking about and they can listen to albums that maybe they would have never dreamed of ever playing. Um, so that's the last thing I got to say on Backspacer. Nice. Uh, good, good pick. Good pick. Yeah, man. I'm glad you liked it. I'm uh, a big fan of that. And I, there's so many other Pearl Jam albums I can give you because a lot of people think they, they have that same kind of sound. But Eddie Vedder Eddie Vedder's got a really good voice and it's just like a shame that a lot of people don't don't realize that. And I'm glad you liked it. But I have an interesting thing about Eddie Vedder, actually. Okay. He is uh, he is good friends with Johnny Ramone. Well, he was good friends with Johnny Ramone, Rob Zombie, Kirk Hammond, Kirk Hammett and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> wow, there we go. We got Nicolas Cage quota. They uh, apparently uh, uh, Johnny Ramone and uh, Nicolas Cage are like really good friends, and they're really into horror movies. And they all kind of have like a horror connection. Like they all like I don't know. I guess they're all friends with each other in some fashion, and they would actually have like horror movie nights with each other and stuff. And like, can you imagine like that's awesome. being there with all those guys like? watching some like corny horror movie it'd be like awesome so that is awesome that was pretty amazing and everyone need to know that so (laughs) you can watch you can watch sands with uh eddie vetter it's pretty awesome yeah yeah uh yeah so there's that but uh i guess on to uh on to my album now here from the verve urban hymns came out in uh, 97 so you know, it was a whole year of Britpop. You like you went over before on the podcast a couple times. So um, their lead singer Richard Ashcroft wrote most of the songs. Uh, I'm not going to do a huge breakdown of them. Uh, they uh, they came out with like four albums, and they pretty much broke up between like each album. They broke up three different times, so it was like an album they break up, an album they break up. So I guess they had a lot of uh, issues with each other. So. But I'm pretty much just going to go right into the song. So um, the first song of the album, which everyone knows, is uh, Bitter Sweet Sympathy. When you um, gave me this this band and this album, I had no idea who they were. But I know this song. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I know those guys. So um, it's a six-minute song. So it's almost as long as that entire Pearl Jam album. That <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, this is like one of those Britpop staples, I guess. Um Unfortunately, they ran into a lot of uh, legal issues because they illegally sampled uh, the Rolling Stones song the last time, um, which got them into a lot of legal issues with them. And the lawsuit 
Rolling Stone pretty much collected all the money from hey, this this song in particular, and they didn't lift the lawsuit till like 2019, so just fairly yep. recently. Yep. Um, and another funny thing too, which I guess this was okayed, but um, the music video where he's kind of during the music video, it's Ashcroft just walking down the street and he's kind of just nonchalantly just bumping into people like he's just focused on what he's doing and he's singing the song. Um, which is also, I guess, paying homage to uh, a mass attack, um, massive attacks uh, song, Unfinished Sympathy, which is uh, she does the same thing. She walks down the street and she's bumping into people. Same Ooh. kind of video, same kind of deal. Um, but that's more of a I'm pretty sure they got OK to do that. If not, they knocked off two things in this one. song. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, let me let me let me let me talk about this. So. <laughs> You're, you're right. Keith and uh, uh, Mick didn't give him the rights back to his song until 2019. Just ridiculous. But he only made $1,000 royalties off the song, Richard Ashcroft. Um, until 2019, I guess now he gets the full, whatever. But he only made $1,000 off that song. Um, so he did get permission to use... So what he's actually using is uh, this, this uh, orchestra guy in the sixties named Andrew Oldham. He did like an orchestra version of, uh, last time. And if you listen to that, it actually listens more. It actually sounds more like uh bittersweet symphony. Cause if you listen to bittersweet symphony, it doesn't actually really sound like last time that much. Actually, if you play them like side by side. No, it really uh, doesn't. I listen. No, because, but they're, what he's sampling is this, this guy, the orchestra guy's version, but he did get permission to use the sample. The problem is what I understand is he didn't get permission from Alan Klein who was the Rolling Stones manager who owned the publishing. He didn't get his permission. Um, and Alan Klein, one of the most cutthroat, savage managers in the music industry, um, just, just destroyed the song. And he was able to get all the rights for uh, Keith and Mick, uh, who wrote Last Time together, um, and, and stole it from Ashcroft. So he did get the permission to use the sample, he just didn't get all the correct permissions, unfortunately. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mick is kind of hard up for money, so I, I get why he had to go after him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really Alan Klein, the manager. It wasn't really the Stones, unfortunately. But They got the money, I guess, somehow. They did. They did. <laughs> but the song is pretty much, it's, uh, I mean, it's in the lyrics. I mean, it's wanting to change from the mold, you know, the, the, the work, work, uh, work for your money, then you die. So it's like him just being like, you know, I'm kind of sick of this. I can change. I can change. And, uh, you know, wants to break, break from that mundane work and work until you die kind of deal. So that's what that song's about. It's, it's a long song. It's a good song, though. I mean, it's, it's catchy. It's probably one of the types of billboard things. I didn't really look into it, but um, <laughs> I imagine it did. Um, <laughs> Because it was everywhere um, in the '90s. If you had MTV and you watched it, it was, it was always on there. That music video, so mm -hmm. it was definitely catchy. Um, the next song on the album is a uh, sonnet. Uh, it's a it's a love song. It's very catchy, uh, which is kind of out of place because this whole album, you know, I'll get into it now. It pretty much it goes through like almost like a depressing kind of like. Uh, um, like he's got like a lot, like he's pretty much going through depression through the album seems like. And then like, even to like the last song, it's like, it goes like completely like, like he's like over it kind of, um, 
with the last song. So it's it's crazy how how and this song's kind of out of place. At least I think. I mean, it could have other meanings to it that I'm just not catching up. Um, but I just thought it was kind of like a catchy type uh, love song. There is a music video uh, to this to the song as well, and it's a very weird music video. It's like Ashcroft sitting on like one of those egg chairs, like from the eighties. He's <laughs> like or the seventies. He's like sitting and he's like in a parking garage and it's like zooming out and it's like zooming into his face and then it like it zooms out and it's all of a sudden you're in like some kind of computer generated it looks like a screensaver from the nineties. Like he's like he's like in that world of screensavers or something. I don't know what's going on in the video. It's very <laughs> confusing. Um so I thought that video was pretty funny. Uh and then you got the the third song of the album, uh The Rolling People. Uh, this song sounds like a U2 song. That's what my notes I put as. Uh, on this. <laughs> uh, I would say this band, at least not this band, but this album kind of, or they kind of sound like U2. Like I, I would say if I was to compare them to anybody, I mean, obviously they kind of sound like Oasis and stuff like that too, but I would say they're very U2 sounding, like a depressing U2. <laughs> <laughs> like Bono was like on his last leg or something. He was <laughs> sick of everything. Uh, I mean, they've had some angsty songs too, but um <laughs> depressing you two song uh the rolling people <laughs> i don't really know what the song's about but i imagine probably probably like drugs and stuff like that um rolling and whatnot uh the drugs don't work it's in the title uh ashcroft i actually got a quote from him um he said there's there's a new track i've written it goes the drugs don't work they make they just make me worse, and I know I'll see your face again. That's how I'm feeling at this moment. They make me worse, man, but I still take them out of boredom, out of frustration. To your turn to something else to escape. So that's what he said. So I guess it's just like a, a vicious circle. You know, you take the drugs, they make you depressed, but you know, they just another way to escape. So that's what that song's about. Uh, yeah, it came out like. Uh, they released it the day after Princess Diana's death, too. So it's kind of a somber tone from the album. I wouldn't say kind of like projected its popularity, but it did because everyone was kind of at a, you know, it's just a British song, too. So everyone was kind of at a, that somber tone when she died and stuff. So this kind of this kind of jumped the Billboard charts because of it. Um, yeah, I, I always thought that was I always thought that was a very powerful song. That one. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um I think this one had a music. Yeah, this one also had a music video too. Uh, it takes place after Bittersweet Sympathy. So at the end of that video, when he's walking through the street, they showed the beginning of this one. He's walking, he's like turning a corner and he like looks the same from that video, but he's with the rest of his band. And then it just turns into like a, a video of just them performing and like all this like weird artsy stuff going on. So um, not too much <laughs> that video. Yeah. <laughs> one of those. Uh, but it's good. Good performance. Good song. Um Catching the Butterflies is the next song on the album. Um, I'm not too sure. Um, it might be about drugs, trying to get to the next high, like catching that butterfly, like they say, like riding the dragon or whatever they say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever the druggies say. Um, that's, that's what I'm assuming it means. I, I could be wrong. Like I said, I, I just, I pretty much just listen to the songs and like I'm just trying to just figure them out for myself, seeing what they are. I got some help from some sites looking at things, but that one I didn't. I kind of just, I'm thinking that's what it's about. I don't know if you know what any of these songs are about. Not not particularly, to be okay. honest. I no. mean, obviously, from the obvious ones, like Drugs Don't Work and Bittersweet Symphony and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, the next one after that is Neon Wilderness. I actually did look this one up. Um, it's it could be a, it could be about two things. Actually, I didn't look it up. I just looked up Neon Wilderness because I was like, I wonder what that means. Um, so Neon Wilderness is actually a collection of short stories by this guy Nelson Aguilar. Um, it's about how society is dark and like you know just more depressing stuff. So I'm like, it's got to probably somehow be linked to this song in some way. Um, or it could just be about the city and so much happens in the city, like bad things can happen, like loud noises. You're not too sure, which is like in the lyrics in the song. So I'm like, eh, cause I, I've heard people say like neon city, stuff like that. So I don't know if it's neon wilderness, just meaning like city, but um, yeah, I, I, would find, think, like, no, I think I, I was thinking you're onto something there, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't find an urban slang for it, but when I looked it up, that book was the first thing that popped up and that book has a lot of themes to this album so i'm like ashcroft might have i don't know if he wrote the songs or whoever wrote the songs they must have had a lot of inspiration from those short stories because a lot of that as i was reading some of the shorts from this from this book and it's like a lot of it has a lot of themes to this album so i thought that was pretty interesting uh the next song is uh, space and time uh from what i gathered uh, another one i just kind of i'm thinking it's about uh someone trying to make a relationship uh, work and they just want they just want everything to be all right but it's not um and all they can do is just exist together because that's all they can do um so that's pretty depressing um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's what i gathered from that one uh weeping willow another one i looked this up um because weeping willow uh, uh the tree uh represents strength stability structure um you know sturdiness stuff like that uh the song seems to be about like standing beside to him wanting someone to stand beside him. seems like he's going through a lot of depression, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, most of these songs are about battling depression, having issues like that. Um, Lucky man, which is a song I really like uh, on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty much like you're over that honeymoon state. And um, now you have to start getting into like more serious conversations uh, with you know in your in your relationship or with his wife or whoever he's singing about the time, um, so it's like you know you're not all like oh I love you you love me so you have to like, actually start talking about like real things so that's what I pretty much gathered from that. Um, yep. uh, the music vi- there's a music video to this one. Uh, he's just I don't know what's going on in in the beginning of the music video. He's like <laughs> there's like two of them. He's like he's like looking at himself and he's wearing like a t-shirt and the other one's like kind of like. You know, looks more like a guy from Oasis or something. He's got like the leather jacket and stuff. And he opens up his apartment door and like all his friends come in and they just kind of hang out. And then they like leave the apartment and hang out on the roof. And then then they go into the woods or something. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't really don't understand the whole like two Ashcrofts in the beginning was supposed to represent. And I was like, oh, maybe he's he's probably depressed or something, I guess. I (laughs) don't really quite understand the video, but most of these videos are like that. You know, you, you watch them and you're like, what is going on? Some, someone went a little too crazy with the artsy fartsy stuff on these videos sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And that song does appear on the, uh, Marley and is it Marley and me? Is that that movie soundtrack? Oh, okay. The movie with Owen Wilson and the dog. Yeah, depressing movie. Yeah, yeah. So this song, <laughs> this song does show up in that that movie, that movie as well. I don't know why you gave me this album to listen to. I'm like super sad after. 
And I know. Like, like seriously, like it's like the it's like I don't know. Some of it's depressing. You're like, oh my god, like. <laughs> like I know. And I'm looking up the meetings. It's making it even worse. <laughs> yeah, I like the, I, I like that kind of stuff. I don't know. What's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> I watch these weird movies. You listen to these like depressing songs. <laughs> That's right. Um. Uh, one day, it's either about a breakup or a fight. Um, just wanting to get back together, uh, get back to normal one day, you know. Um, this time, I'm thinking it's about regret. Uh, looking back, wishing he could have done things differently. Because a lot of the lyrics allude to that, I would think. Uh, Velvet Morning, not Some Velvet Morning by Nancy Sinatra. Um, <laughs> uh, battling emotions, depression, taking pills, stuff like that. It's a good song, though. Actually, um, Velvet Morning. I did like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the last song on the album, uh, unless you count the hidden song, because um, there's like an instrumental like hidden song. But if you listen to it on Spotify, it just has it on there. Um, but Come On features the o- uh, Oasis um, Liam Gallagher on it as backup vo- vocals and on tambourine so that's pretty cool wow i did not know that actually i i, yeah. did, I did i did not know that yeah all right so you got your your little oasis on there <laughs> pretty much um you know no one answering to his cries for help he goes to the doctor he gives him pills and it just helps him get past the day god's not answering his prayers this is like pretty much like the culmination of the album like this is like right. everything put together he even like Someone even I was reading, they were talking about, and they said he even drops the he drops the f bomb on this this song, the only song I think he even curses on the album is like just like that impact being like it's the last of it, that's it, he's done. Um, so that's how that's how they round out this uh, this album with that song. So pretty pretty neat way to end it, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that's the the best word to use, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, my overall thoughts, like I said, kind of like, kind of has like that U two sound to it. Um, for people that don't that are ignorant to uh, Brit pop, um, definitely has Oasis in there. And um, what about like I would a, say uh, Radio Radiohead a yeah, little bit? I was just gonna um, say, yeah. Radiohead's instrumentally, I like Radiohead better. Um, although the two songs on this album, Bittersweet Sympathy, and um, I think it's Lucky Man. They use heavy like orchestra stuff in it, and mm-hmm. those are the only these the only two songs on the album that do. It's they're kind of out of place as well, um, but I mean they go along with the depressing scene theme, so I guess they are kind of in place. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess um, you know you, when you said you gave me something a little bit out of my comfort zone, I guess this is definitely it. Um, I guess I'm not really too into Britpop now that I I realize cause I don't really like Oasis. <laughs> Um, I did like this album. I'll, I'll go over my, my top three yeah. favorite songs on the album first. Um, so number three, I put Bittersweet Sympathy. This song is very great. It's catchy. It's the first song I knew from it. I used to really like the song a lot. I still do. It's a good song. Uh, Lucky Man, I have at number two. Love that song. And then Sonnet, I have for number one. That song wow. is awesome. That song is like stuck in my head. Um, great song. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it's a very catchy song, so. Um, but yeah, I really like that song a lot. I, uh, if I was to take one song from this album, it would be that one for sure. Uh, I really like it. Um, and, but, and the funny thing is I texted you this earlier today, actually. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you, 
anybody who listens to Spotify, you know, if you listen to like an album, once it ends, Spotify just kind of keeps playing stuff that I guess you might like that might sound um, kind of similar, which I meant to say when I was talking about Backspacer, you know, Backspacer is a good album because then the songs that came afterwards that they like play, that's like supposed to be connected to it or whatever, or sound similar to it. We're like all awesome. <laughs> I was like, okay, these are all awesome. I like, couldn't turn it off. I just kept playing because we were like great songs. Yeah. Um, but then Sonnet actually came on and I was like, that's hilarious. And I took a picture <laughs> and sent it to you and that, I listened to your album and then one of the songs, which actually turns out to be your top song, which I didn't realize. Yeah. Uh, played and Spotify thought that that was kind of similar to Backspacer, I, I guess. <laughs> and that was my taste, I guess. Yeah. Spotify. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a great song. Definitely. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, this, this reminds me of like, especially in the nineties, cause we didn't have Spotify in the nineties and, uh, when you hear a song, like say you heard um, Bitter Sweet Symphony, and you're like, oh man, I love that song. Let me go buy the album. That's like the only way you'd been able to like really listen to a lot of these songs, especially because they're Britpop. And that was like, these songs weren't really big here, not that I'm aware of. And um, I would have bought the album. I might have bought it. I might have even owned it at one point. But I did that with a lot of bands like uh, Weezer and. Um, President of the United States of America, that band that sings um, that I'll Be There For You song from Friends. Like, I bought these albums because I just like the one song. And then, like, I get the album and I'm kind of like, eh, okay. Like, uh, don't really like too many other songs on the album, um, you know. But um, this isn't one of those cases. But <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm not a huge fan, like I said, of Britpop. Um, I know you might not... <laughs> He might not like my rating for this. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I said be honest. I wanted honesty. So. Yeah. I, I, I knew, I knew it was out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So. No, exactly. I'm glad I listened to because there are some songs on here, like I said, I never heard and I would never have heard. Um, and I got a little history of, of some of these songs. It's you know, pretty cool. But I would give it a, a 5 out of 10. <laughs> Oof! <laughs> And 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 I'm the, not saying, the, see, I'm not saying it's a terrible album. Not giving it like I'm. I'm saying it's an it's a, it's an average album. If you're into Britpop, you probably would really like this. Um, but I personally, it's not my. It's my personal ranking of it would be that because I don't think it's a terrible album by by any means. But I don't think it's a great album either. Um, like I said, there's there's some songs on it I like. But uh, it's maybe it's a little too depressing for me. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it was. Um, I think a lot of the songs, because you gave me that the last the last band you gave me, every song on that album was different. Like, and that was cool. I know it's not really a common thing um, to have, but like a lot of these songs were kind of like in the same wheelhouse. Like, other than I would say, um, bittersweet and. Um, maybe lucky man like th those are like maybe the only ones that are kind of they sound a little different but i don't know for the most part a lot of the songs kind of sounded very similar and uh i think it might just be because i maybe i'm just not a fan of that kind of music like the whole brit pop thing so mm, okay yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i'm not surprised honestly yeah. um i told you i said it was out of here i knew the the first one i i like i said in the last podcast i knew you were gonna like that because they were so influential in a lot of stuff that you, you like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which you maybe, you know, you didn't realize at the time when I gave it to you, but um, 
I know that you don't really listen to anything like this. Um, yeah. Did I think, you know, I was going to blow your mind and you were going to become this giant <laughs> fan? No, I didn't think so. But um, I'm glad you got some semblance of 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 um, enjoyment from this album. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not I'm not tearing it apart. I like I was like, I mean, I'll give it a seven or whatever. I didn't want to like. I don't, don't want to cop out with just like a medium. Like I could just like, oh, I'll give it a, t- a seven or whatever. No, yeah. I, I really think it's, it's, it's in it. Like I said, it's not terrible, but it's not great, it, but it's, you know, it's right in the middle there. And that's, that's where I play it right in the middle. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's worth to listen to. There are, are some good songs on there. Um, so yeah. That's okay. my, that's cool. my yeah. Awesome. So <laughs> that's our reviews. Um, this pod, this is now the last episode of this podcast because I'm totally offended. So I uh, hope you will enjoy the Turnpike Brothers. You won't be hearing from either of us again. Well, maybe Dan, but I'm out. No, no. This is this is why we do this. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I probably didn't like Mandy as much as when you first gave that to me, and you know, I gave my review and I said it was pretty good, but you know. Um, it's not a movie that's like right up my alley all uh, all the time or anything like that. Um, yeah. That's why we give each other this cool stuff that we might, you know, that we might not be into and just to get different perspective. Um, Deep down, Kevin's like doing angry. I am. I'm, I'm trying to control myself right now. <laughs> um, it wasn't bad. Like, I'm not like, I'm like, oh, give it a two or a one, you know. I, that, then, the, then the podcast might have been over <laughs> at that point. <laughs> No, 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 yeah. no. That would have been, been your opinion. That's fine. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're in the Britpop, I would recommend it, definitely. Um, but I, like I said, I, I guess I'm not into it. Like I said, I, I, I didn't really know too much of it at all, actually, until you told me it. And after hearing, you know, Oasis and this, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I like this better than Oasis. I'm, I'm not a fan of Oasis at all. If you would have given me one of those, I probably would have given it a two, maybe. I don't know. I would have to look into <laughs> it. But... <laughs> Oasis has got some good stuff. Yeah, no, Wonderwall, and that's probably about it, maybe. No, 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 no. Don't look back in anger. That's a great song. Um, <laughs> so I won't give you Blur or uh, Pulp uh, albums in the future, then. Uh, you, you know, you're not the only one. It's funny. You know, you guys grew up in the same household and have very, you know, similar tastes in a lot of stuff, but Melissa does not like Britpop either. Yeah. Um, you know, I put like I put on this album. I have it on vinyl, and I put it on, and and um, you know, I could tell she's not really like paying attention to it or listening to it. Whereas if I put like Van Halen or the Who on, you know, I could tell she's getting into it or whatever. Um, I could tell it was really just background noise for her, yeah. and she didn't like it. And then my brother loves it. My brother yeah. Travis, my brother Terry, not so much. He yeah. isn't really like it either. But Tra- Travis like loves it, and then he's kind of the one that really got me into it. Um, yeah. so it's just kind of funny. It's just funny. It's, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a very divisive genre. Um, you, you, know you either what? love it or you hate it. Yeah. You know what? Probably if I listen to this album, maybe in a different mindset, I might, maybe I might've liked it. Cause I feel like this is, this song, it, it plays to your mood and it depends on what kind of your mood you're in. I feel like it could really, it could really speak to you. But for me, I guess I'm not in that kind of, Probably if I was younger, right. I probably would have liked this actually a lot. Um, when you were an angsty teenager? Yeah, because I, I liked a lot of stuff like Nirvana. I mean, I still like Nirvana, but like, 
you know, I was a lot more into that kind of stuff. Not to say I don't like depressing music or anything like that. I say this is all depressing, but um, you know, I, I do watch like movies that are really messed up and stuff like that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say that. That's why I don't like it because it's it's at a, a somber mood. But um, if I was probably in a different headspace, maybe I maybe this would speak to me in a different way, and I probably would enjoy it quite a bit. But because I see people talk about it, and I'm like, I don't know. I just don't get. I don't get that out of it that everyone else is getting. And uh, like I said, I'm not not bashing it, but you know. I mean, you did you did find a guy that did hate it yeah, more, than, he really, more than he, you actually. Yeah, he, yeah, he hated. <laughs> I I don't hate this album by any means at all, but he he absolutely hated it. I'm like, all right, I don't I don't get that. That's extreme. <laughs> but I guess you I, get that. Yeah, I get it. it's not for everybody. It definitely isn't, and I knew that giving to you. I, yeah. I, I actually, I you probably give it a higher rating than I, I initially maybe thought. Anyways. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, okay. I was like, <laughs> I, this is, I guess I said this is really out of your comfort zone. I was like, yeah. there's a good chance he's really not going to like this, but we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, I know, I knew, I knew you would like Bittersweet Symphony because you've heard that before. I said that yeah. there was one song on the album that you knew. Um, but like I, my yeah, favorite song on the album. Look at that. It's a, it's a great it, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. That's like, oh, wow. you know, those songs that come on that you like, you just even though you've heard a thousand times, you just don't don't want to change. Yeah, um, that's my that's 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 that song for me. Like, I just love that song. Yeah, mine's Johnny Guitar. So, okay, nice. It's good. <laughs> it's a good song. <laughs> I know you just you just say how much you love this Pearl Jam album, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not not terrible, but. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, that's yeah. That it, <laughs> if we gave everything cookie cutter, it wouldn't be much fun. No, would it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so everybody's listening. You know, we'd love you guys to to listen to both albums. Um, yeah. And let us know. Um, you know that they're both very depressing. So <laughs> Pearl Jam's probably seems like um, bubblegum pop compared to um, Urban Hymns, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, in terms of tone, <laughs> but uh, we'd love everybody to listen and give us opinion. And what's a great way to do that? We now have a Turnpike Brothers email. Yes. What's what's the email for everybody, Dan? It's uh, turnpikebrothers at gmail.com. Okay. So no, no spaces, no, un no, no underscore, underscore no, yep, Turnpike Brothers at gmail.com send us an email we'd love to hear from everyone it could be comment on this episode it could be a question that you have for us um that we, maybe we can answer in a future podcast Any, anything you really want uh you just want to tell us how terrible we are um urban hymns is like the best album ever and Dan yeah Dan, crazy. Dan, <laughs> dan's an idiot um uh if you get if you get an email if we get an email from uh well it says like kevin uh it's definitely not me it must be another kevin yeah. um we fashion you yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of kevins are really into this album so um uh but yeah uh if you guys want to listen to the album let us know your thoughts that'd be cool you know and if we get some good responses i guess we could always read them on the podcast too yeah um, yeah you know, like any questions for us would be pretty cool too uh about anything could be about this podcast or literally any topic you have on the top of your head course you can follow us on instagram and facebook and twitter i mean <clears throat> x um because i uh, can't say the other one anymore it doesn't exist anymore the little bird has has flown yeah he's done he's done he flew away into the sun in the blender 
like Icarus. Um, so X, we are on as well. Not as much, but more on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and of course, listen to us on Google Podcasts or whatever you're listening to us on right now, which is probably Spotify. Uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, any last thoughts? Anything I missed you want to say, Dan? No, just uh, it was great listening to these albums. And uh, yeah, can't wait for the next podcast where we go over. We got some. We got something special in the works. I don't know if we want to. We want to keep that a secret or not. Yeah, let's do it. We got. We got. We got something brewing. You know, something exciting. We do. We do. Um, something I, I. I might. I might have to get a haircut for the specific podcast. Oh, okay. You um, know, I'm confused about it, but that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll just leave it. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get spoiled too much. So, I might have to get my uh, <laughs> my, my platform shoes. <laughs> yes, yes, you might. That 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 would be awesome. All right. Well, I guess until next time. All right. Same 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 bat channel. Same bat time. No, you blew it. Same same turnpike place. Same turnpike time. There it is. <laughs> All right, until next time, uh, Turnpike Brothers out. See ya. Bye.